you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Jonah is on my heart. The book of Jonah, chapter number four this morning. The book of Jonah, chapter four. The first three chapters of the book of Jonah are powerful. And those first three chapters, if that's all we had, boy, it would just be fabulous. But chapter four changes things quite a bit and gives us a new perspective. You know, Jonah didn't want to go, finally went. Everybody got saved. Praise God for it. We could see it looked like Jonah's a hero. But inside of Jonah, there was a problem. And in chapter 4, God's going to deal with Jonah's problem. I want to preach this morning from this chapter. I want to read verses 10 and 11. I'll ask you to stand. I want to preach on a matter of mercy. A matter of mercy. Verse 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for that for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? There's only two books in the Bible that end with a question mark. One of them is Nahum. The other one is the book of Jonah. It seems like maybe there should be a chapter five or a chapter six. What happened in Jonah's life? Question mark there. And I want us to deal this morning with a matter of mercy. Father, would you help us this morning to examine your word? God, would you help our hearts? Would you look at us inside? Would you help us, Father, that we'd get right with you? And I pray, God, our hearts might have fellowship with you. Lord, we want to be rightly related to the Redeemer today and have relationship, to have a prayer life and a walk with you. God, not to look good in front of people, but Lord, not to be impressive to other people, but God, to walk with you. Lord, the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Lord, would you touch us today, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There was a church that got a new pastor. And some of the church members were asked about the new pastor and comparing him to the first pastor. And they said, well, our first pastor, he sounded glad that we was going to hell. But our second pastor, it broke his heart that we were going to hell and people started getting saved everywhere. Jonah was a type of preacher that he really didn't care if Nineveh got right or not. He had no love, no burden, really no prayers whatsoever for the people of Nineveh. When I think about Jonah, I think about five things this morning. Number one, I want us to consider that Jonah was a godly prophet. He's a godly prophet. He's a man of God. I'm talking today, you're a preacher, you're a deacon, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're, you're, you're a, a Christian, you're, you're, you're a church member, you're, you're going to heaven and, and you've got religion and, and you've got old time religion and, and things are going good in your life. Jonah was a prophet of God that was called to stand before a wicked king by the name of Jeroboam. Out of the book of 2 Kings, you don't need to turn there, but in chapter 14, verse 25, Jeroboam, that wicked king, Jonah stood before him 
and told him, Thus saith the Lord, Do this, this, and this, and God will restore the coast. And Jeroboam listened to the man of God, and God did exactly. He restored according to the word of the Lord that he spake through Jonah. He did a great work. Jonah's prophecy, Jonah's words were on target. God's mercy to Israel in Jeroboam's day was abundantly displayed. Whoop, whoop. Jeremiah is a national hero. But in chapter 1 of Jonah, now God calls Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. He had no problem standing before Israel, but now he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is in modern day Iraq. And God says, I want you to go preach to them. Why? God's sending his man in mercy to go preach the word that sinners might be saved. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire and he's going to preach repentance not to Jews but repentance to Gentiles, to the Assyrians. He's a godly prophet. You today are a godly daddy. You're a godly mama. You're a Christian. Say amen right there. Number two, there's a grievous problem. When the Lord told Jonah to arise and go down to Nineveh, he rose up and he went down to Joppa to get a ticket to go to Tarshish, which is on the southern tip of Spain. He's going the exact opposite direction that God called him to go. In fact, the Bible says he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why would the man of God, who's been used of God, the godly prophet, why would he flee from God? Why would a Christian, a godly mama, and a godly daddy flee from the presence of the Lord? Well, in Jonah's day, the Assyrians were violent people. They were vile people. They were extreming, exceedingly sinful and wretched. They were extremely cruel to their victims. They would, they would take a victim and, and chain them up and fillet their nose and allow them to drown in their own blood. They would bury victims in the sand still alive and pull their tongue out and nail it to the ground until scorpions and rats and lizards and snakes would crawl inside their body and kill them. They would boil people alive. They would rape women and mutilate their bodies. They would slaughter children. They would cut off their heads and stack them on a pole outside the city just to show how mighty and how strong they were. They were a violent, vile, sinful bunch of people. And Jonah knew that if he went there, he might be their next victim. In fact, for all we know, there may have been members of Jonah's family that were mistreated, abused, slaughtered by the Ninevites. We don't know. But here's what Jonah, here's his grievous problem. He said, I would rather die than go to Nineveh and see them people live. He wants the judgment of God to fall on Nineveh. Thus, Jonah would be in rebellion to God. Because God is looking to extend mercy and Jonah wants to extend judgment. It's amazing in life, isn't it? I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but how we love mercy on us 
but we don't love mercy on others. It's a grievous problem. Number three, we run into a gracious pardon. Jonah, when he gets on board the vessel going the other direction, a storm blows up. God sent the storm. They went down and found Jonah asleep in the middle of the storm. They said, arise, O sleeper. And he said, the storm's because of me. God's mad at me. God is angry at me. He said, just throw me overboard. Why? He'd rather die. He ought to be on suicide watch. He'd rather die than see people live. And so they had to cast him overboard. And about the time they did, God had prepared a great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. And it ate him. It swallowed him alive. And three days and three nights, he was going high in the ocean and low in the ocean. High in the ocean and low in the, mo- in the ocean. Can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the stench? Can you imagine the seaweed? Can you imagine the darkness? Can you imagine the fear that must have filled Jonah's life? Three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish. And after three days and three nights when he saw, I'm not going to die. I'm still alive. He got on his knees. He was so hard-hearted, so unmerciful, so resistant, so, I'm talking about a man of God. I'm talking about a Christian. So against what God was going to do that finally after three days, he finally prayed and said, salvation is of the Lord. And that was too much salvation for the whale. (laughs) And the whale vomited him out on the shore. And now there's Jonah smelling like whale puke. Got vomit all over him. Comes to the shore and he's got a message to preach. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, Jonah, that hard-hearted man of God, that hard-hearted religionist, that hard-hearted Christian, when he was in the belly of the fish, when he cried out to the Lord, in mercy, God forgave him. In mercy, God gave him a gracious pardon. And now he goes towards Nineveh. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That word overthrow is the same word that spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember how God told Abraham that Sodom and Gomorrah will be overthrown? And Abraham said, God, would you spare them for 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? Would you spare them for 10? God said, I'll spare them for 10 righteous. 10 righteous could not be found in all of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities were destroyed and yet God pulled Lot out of those cities and spared him alive. Think about it with me. God is saying Nineveh is going to be overthrown as Sodom and Gomorrah were overthrown. And Jonah just marched himself down there. He had no burden, no burden for those people, no love for those people. You do not see that he did not pray one time. God, would you spare them? God, would you help them? God, would you be merciful? God, would you be gracious? No, he just walked in one day's journey into the city, got on a street corner and he said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown by the hand of the Almighty God. And he walked off the scene and went and sat down to see what God would do. Well, there must have been a pauper heard about it. 
And there must have been a prince riding by about that time because the word of that message went through all the streets and all the shops and even got to the very headquarters of the throne of all of Assyria. And the king said, I proclaim a fast. Let's sit down in sackcloth and ashes. Who can tell what this God would do if he could overthrow us? Maybe he'd spare us. Maybe he'd have mercy on us. Maybe he'd forgive us. Maybe he'll have gracious pardon. And every man, woman, boy, and girl was spared by the mercy of Almighty God. All of Nineveh got right with God. And I'm telling you, it was exciting. God spared Nineveh in mercy just like he spared Jonah in mercy out of the belly of the fish. Then we come to chapter 4. We see, fourthly, some gruesome pouting. Verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was not angry. He was very angry. He was very upset. He is about to have what we call in the mountains a meltdown. It's funny, the, the fish that swallowed Jonah, he, he, had been, he, had been, he had been eaten. But now the question ought to be, what's eating you, Jonah? <laughs> not only would you not being eaten from the outside, you're being eaten on the inside. What is it you're so upset about? Well, I want to say that I believe that Jonah, that good Christian, that fine man of God, he had a calloused heart. Bible said he was very angry. You know the word anger? If you add one word, to the, one letter to the front of it, add a D to the front of it, danger. Anger is one letter away from danger. It's amazing how Jonah had no problem with God having mercy on him, but he's very upset that God had mercy on the Ninevites. He's filled with resentment. He's filled with resistance. He's filled with rebellion and bitterness. And listen this. You know why he's angry? You know what, this is what the Bible says. Angry. It's a type of contention. The book of Proverbs says that um, anger, or no, excuse me, pride comes because of contention. In Proverbs 13.10, by pride cometh contention. It was Jonah's pride that caused him to be angry and mad at God. He's mad because they repented. He's mad. Listen, you know what anger does? It spreads. He was mad because they repented, and now he's going to get mad at God. Watch how this spreads through Jonah's life, this callous heart. Verse 2, he prayed unto the Lord and said, now he's praying, here's his prayer. I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, there's our word, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. In other words, because they got right, you, you let them go. I knew you're a gracious God. I knew you're a long-suffering God. I knew you're a merciful God. That's why I didn't want to go. He's mad because they 
received mercy. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. You see a callous heart? Here's what it's focused on. You've already seen it. It's focused on self. I want mercy for me and mercy for my family if I love my family and my family's good to me. But if some of my family's not good to me, let them have it, Lord. Give it to them good. We don't want mercy on other people because a callous heart focuses on self. He's concerned about his ego. He's concerned about his image. More about his self than mercy on lost souls. I can prove it to you. If you look at verse 2 and 3, the words I, me, or my are there nine times. You see what he's praying? He's focusing on his self. When you pray, do you focus? You're good about praying for you. Oh, you're good at it. You're a good prayer warrior. You're so good about focusing on your problems. I would remind you, Job had a lot of problems. And God turned his situation around when Job prayed for his friends. Then God, amen, pastor. God gave him double when he prayed for those that had despitefully used him. When he prayed for mercy on his friends, God gave mercy to him. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hello. Now, not just focused on himself, but let's just focus on how showy he was. You remember when Jonah went to King Jeroboam and said, God says, do this, this, and this. And Jeroboam the king did what Jonah said, and everybody knew Jonah was a man of God, and Jonah was a national hero. And now he comes in preaching, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But there is no overthrow. They all got saved. They all got pardoned. They all got redeemed. They all got mercy. And now Jonah says, that looks bad on me. Because what I said was going to come to pass didn't come to pass. I've lost my image. You know what? He's caught trying to impress people. He's wanting compliments, people to pat him on the back. He's more concerned about what people think about him than souls being saved. He's got a callous heart. He's focused on self. He's got a callous heart. He's wanting to be impressive and showy to everybody else. He's got a callous heart. Look at verse 3. It's better for me to live Excuse me, it's better for me to die than to live. You know what he's doing? He's sulking. You ever been a sulker? You remember little kids, they don't get their way. They, they get upset and you want to give them a present. And, and they get a present and say, but you get half your present now. You know what they do? They go pout. I know they're Baptists because us adults do it too. We sulk, we pout. Well, preacher, I don't do that. Listen. If your prayer life doesn't get answered, you sulk, you pout. I'm telling you, I'm just being honest. Preacher Darren, how do you know that? I've done it. I hate to admit it, but I've said, Lord, where is you at? I've been praying about all this stuff. Sulking. Look at verse 4. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? You know what he's saying? He's saying, is, is doing the right thing, this is what he's asking, is doing the right thing enough to upset you? Does that displease you to do the right thing? Do you think, do you think 
uh, Jonah, that you're justified in your anger and your bitterness and, and your resentment against God and against the goodness of the Lord? Verse 5. So Jonah, he didn't give an answer. So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth. Can you just see he goes and cuts him some limbs and now when you cut a limb that's live, now it's dead and he builds some dead things and he's going to sit underneath the shadow of deadness and he feels good to be there. And he's sitting outside the city. You know why he is? He's hoping maybe somebody in Nineveh will slip off and sin and then God will destroy the city and he wants to have a front row seat to watch what's going to happen. He made him a booth. He sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Oh, how he's pouting. I think not only does he have a callous heart, but he also, hear me, he has circumstantial happiness. What gives him joy is his circumstances. What gives him joy is if his situation improves. It's our story, isn't it? Preacher, I'll have joy and I'll shout and praise God if I get a raise. I'll shout and praise God if I get a new car. Then when you get the first payment due, all of a sudden, you get back to sulking and pouting again, don't you? Oh, preacher Dan, if I get a boyfriend. Oh, preacher Dan, if I, if I get a girlfriend. Oh, I can't wait. Woo, God is good. God is good. And then he broke up with you. And we don't see you for three months. Well... I knew it's too good to be true. <laughs> Just amazing how we're happy only because of our circumstances. Real joy will be there whether the circumstances are good or not. He's the God of the mountain and he's the God of the valley. He's the God of the day and he's the God of the night. Amen. Now let's just see, let's just see. Look at verse 6. God's going to teach him a, a, an object lesson here and sometimes God's working in our lives as well. Look at how he appreciates goodness. Verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. That's a big vine with great big leaves on it. My grandma used to, how many of y'all know what a gourd is? My grandma used to grow gourds. Man, we'd, we'd let them dry out. We'd cut a hole in them and we'd go get us water out of the spring house there. Praise God. Boy, I'd like to get me a good old a gourd full of that water, that good old mountain water. Praise God for it. God prepared a gourd and he made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was, what? Exceeding, there's our superlative. He wasn't just glad. He was exceeding glad of the gourd. He was, why? Because it comforted him. It refreshed him. He didn't have the heat of the day. The sunshine will melt you. He, he didn't have the heat of the day crashing down on him. God's given him a leafy green vine and he is glad. Hey, everybody, come and see the vine that's growing at my little booth. God has been good. He blessed me with a vine. Woo! Praise the Lord. Verse 7, but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd, that it withered. 
So he went in one day's time from appreciating goodness to being angry that it's gone. What got your gourd might be a good question. Jonah, what got your gourd? Jonah, what's eating you? Well, I'll tell you, my vine died. I don't want to send out invitations. Play for me. Put me on the prayer list. What's wrong? My vine died. <laughs> oh, it's just terrible. Oh, my vine is gone. <laughs> oh, my vine, my vine. Bless God, you didn't do nothing to get the vine to start with. You didn't sow the vine. You didn't plant the vine. You didn't even water the vine. You was just glad for a vine. Hey, you've been glad for a gourd. And at the end of the day, you can't take it with you anyway. It's just a gourd. Yeah, but it was my gourd. (laughs) Remington, put me on the prayer chain. (laughs) You don't know what I've lost. (laughs) He had no concern about people dying and going to hell. He was more concerned about the sun beating down on his head. He was concerned about the heat of the sunshine on him, but he was unconcerned about the flames of hell for those dying and going there. Sad, isn't it? And he's angry. God, where are you at? God sent the worm. God sent the worm to the secret place, that hidden place, devouring and eating that gourd and that plant from somewhere you had no idea was there. Hey, preacher dad, how come it went away? God took it away. Job said, the Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. I have a word, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Jonah wasn't saying that. In fact, our church, as quiet as it is this morning, it's not because I'm not preaching you the right message. It's because I'm preaching you what you need to hear and it says, ouch, I don't want to hear this. Don't tell me, Pastor Darren, that I have more appreciation for material things than I do. Hey, thank you, Lord. You have more mercy on the hole in your roof than you do on people going to hell. You have more mercy on your raiment and the rations of your food and the riches in your bank account than you do on souls going to hell. You're more concerned. I'm telling you, just like the man of God, Jonah, that our churches, that's what's wrong with us. We are filled inside our hearts to have mercy on material things. Oh, my vine. Oh, my vine. It's just a vine. What about somebody dying and going to hell? What about the witness you could be to somebody that needs to be saved? But instead of witnessing to them, you're just like, oh, I don't know what I'll do. What's wrong with them? Their vine died. Leave them alone. I'm going to amen myself. Amen, Pastor Darren. Verse 8. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and he wished in himself to die. And he said, second time, it's better for me to die than to live. I'm dehydrated. I'm thirsty. I'm blistering. I'm faint. I'm vexed. I'm in a deteriorating condition. Lord, what am I going to do? 
Hello? You see what makes you happy? Circumstances. Can you still praise God when the sickness and the death, and the, will you still serve him? All these years, all these years, will you still serve him? Listen now, not only has he got appreciate goodness and he's angry it's gone, but listen to his attitude with God. You see his anger spreads from being mad at Nineveh to being mad at God. God said to Jonah, verse 9, Doest thou well to be angry for the gore? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Oh, you're so worried about this and so worried about that. You know what it is? It's drama. I don't need church drama. Don't be a drama queen. Amen? Well, I tell you, listen, you're more concerned about how such and such looks than finding out the truth that's really behind it. You're so quick to want to take the woman who, who, or take the woman who is guilty of adultery and dragged into Jesus and read his stoner rather than have mercy. Amen. Verse 10, Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd. In other words, you've got mercy on material things. A gourd that you didn't labor over, you didn't make it grow, it came up in a night, and it perished in a night. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score, that's 120,000 persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? God says, you've got pity, and you are upset, and you are defeated, you are despondent, you are disappointed, you're discouraged because of a gourd? A gourd that I gave you? A gourd you did nothing for. A gourd I put in your hands. And you're mad? When I saved your soul? And there are others, you've got friends that you said, oh, I want to see so and so. I'm praying, please pray for my cousins. Please pray for my family. They need to be saved. I pray that I might be an effective witness. And you're mad? And jumping up and down over a gourd? What a witness you are to them that Jesus has life-changing power. That Jesus extends mercy and grace to sinners. Oh, it was great when he gave mercy to you. You'll shout about it and you'll sing about it. But when it's time to have a mercy on someone that's not like you, on someone that's different, on someone that doesn't have the blessings that you have. They, boy, it's quick to bring them into judgment. It's, it's quick, you're so quick to jump all over it. I'm just saying this morning, Jonah had more compassion on a plant than he has on people. Mm. Mm. What matters most to you as a church is your viewpoint. What matters most to you is your self-righteousness. What matters most to you is the material things that God gave you and sustaining them and growing them. 
Mm. We see people today, and you laugh at them. They're into saving forests. They want to save animals. But they have no mercy on little babies. And we'll, we'll see that all day long and say, why in the world do you want to save Spot, the, 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 the left-eyed dog, but, but you want to kill babies? And then we turn right around, turn right around and thank God for the mercy that he's given to us. But when mercy's to fall on someone that's not like us, then we're like, ah! My phone rings off the hook. Ah, don't like it! It's amazing. I watch it. I watch it at my house. We'll come home. And our little dog, Lacia, she ain't little, big old husky, she's not saved, ain't even thought about getting saved. She ran away one time, she was found, I still don't think she's saved, though she was lost and has been found. But we'll come home and there she'll be laying at the door. And she starts licking our hands and smelling of our legs to see where we've been and smell of our shoes. And man, she's and it was like, oh, hey, honey, oh, you're so sweet. And turn around and that dog may have pooed in the floor. It may have peed in the floor. It may have chewed up your Sunday slippers. It may, amen. And, and, and you want to yell at it. But, you, but it licks your little hand. And, oh, little Lacey, you're so sweet. She's got fur laying everywhere because she's blowing her coat. Oh, you're so sweet. And then somebody said a little something that you didn't like and you had a complete meltdown said I'll never go back to church again God where were you and you'll speak so sweet to that little dog that makes mistakes every day and forgive it and love it oh you'll do everything to it but when it comes time to having mercy on somebody different than you. It's the Jonah syndrome. I've got it. You've got it. Preacher Darren, don't you dare. Don't you drag me into your mess, Preacher Darren. I don't want to hear it. Hey, that gourd is a type of comfort. It's a type of success. It's a type of happiness. And the gourd can be taken away in one single day. Our praise is based on our circumstances. Our smile, our attitude, our worship is based on circumstances. But God is good no matter what your circumstances are. Number five, and I'm done. Number five, there's a glorious privilege. God says in verse 11, Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, which are more than 120,000 persons. In other words, that, that cannot discern between their left and their right hand and also much cattle. In other words, these are children that don't even know the difference between their left and their right. 120,000. Not even the age of accountability yet. Not even mentioning their parents. So we're probably talking 600,000, a million people. The Bible said Nineveh was such a big city. It was a day's journey into the city. It was a day's journey across the city. And it was another day's journey to get to the outskirts of the city. Three days journey to get all the way across that city. It was such a big place. But we have no, no mercy on anyone else. Now, 
This is what God said. He said, they were asking for a sign. God, would you give us a sign? Nick, Jesus, give us a sign. He said, there'll be no sign given to you other than the sign of Jonah the prophet. Three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish. Amen. Salvations of the Lord, and he, out he came, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life on the cross, was buried, and on, amen, three days, three nights, and he got up on the first day of the week. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm done. Jonah. Jonah's name, it means dove. Jonah was to be a missionary and a messenger to fly with a message like a dove, but he was taken off the other way. And God brought him back. Now hear me, you, just like Jonah, the only sign people's gonna get is the sign of Jonah the prophet. You're Jonah. Hello, Jonah. You're going to a lost and dying world. You're getting ready to leave church this morning and you're going to go outside these walls and you're gonna go out to eat and you're gonna go home and you're gonna see people and Thanksgiving and Christmas and people that we don't even know who they all are. I don't know who they all are but you're going to be a sign of mercy to them. Amen. You're the sign with the message to them. Oh my, that's good. What message are you portraying? Amen. To have mercy Amen. or to worry about material things? Oh I'm just telling you, God has had us for weeks right. spending time on the house of mercy. Mercy magnified, the marvel of mercy. And here we are again today. You know what it is, Jonah? This is a matter of mercy. It was the mercy of God that rescued you, Jonah. Don't forget it. If God had been just, hey, and he is just, he could have killed you and let you die there. But God's not only just, God's merciful. And he released you with a message to tell the world, God will forgive you of your sins. God will change your life. God spared the whole city. Listen, not spruce pine. In the whole city of Nineveh, 600,000 people. Wow! The greatest revival ever recorded. You stand on your feet. Seth, if you would come play this morning, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Hey, maybe somebody here today, and you may say, you know what? Wow, I'm to be the messenger of mercy. And what message have I been portraying to my family? Man, I've been portraying a message of material and, 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 and a message of circumstances and a message of callousness. And God, I've failed you. Jonah failed. And he got him in the belly of the fish. But when he got on his knees, just like we're doing now, and said, salvations of the Lord, God forgave him and he released him. And he went and he preached. The word of the Lord came to him the second time. Maybe there's somebody today, you'd come, you'd say, oh God, help me today. Lord, this morning, we bow in your presence and we say, God, would you forgive us of being merciful on material things only. Merciful to forests and merciful to animals and merciful to things that are important to me concerns, Lord, more concerned over the roof, more concerned over something that's not right in my personal space, more concerned over that. It's dictating and dominating my life. I, you're showing it to me, God. I have more concern over those things than I do over somebody dying and going to hell. Oh, God, I'm so messed up. God, would you forgive me? God, would you touch us as a church? 
God, would you touch our nation? We're a materialistic society and we want to have mercy on things that don't even really matter. God, the things that do matter are people. Jesus gave his life for the sins of mankind. Oh, God, I pray today you'd touch, you'd bless, and you'd help us, Father. We ask now you'd be merciful to our families. Merciful, God, I pray, to our enemies. Touch them, God, I pray, and help them, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.